Hey everybody, welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast, and this is episode 58. The way this episode came about was there's there's a uh, an exciting and substantial new book about permaculture design process called Building Your Permaculture Property, a five-step process. It's coming out in late April. It's authored by Robin Michelle Avis along with Dakota Cohen. In some conversations about that and having had a pre-release shared with me, I got connected with Dakota, who interviewed me for his podcast, which also has the name Building Your Permaculture Property, uh, and it was such a great chat you know I was so alive and so uh, aligned with what making permaculture stronger is all about for me that I asked for Dakota's permission to re-release it he recently released it on his podcast to re-release it here which he was very happy for me to do so thanks for permission to Dakota so great to meet you and I look forward to seeing where the conversation emerges from here find out more about Dakota's work at coenfarm.ca which is c-o-e-n farm.ca Find more about this project at makingpermaculturestronger.net. There's also show notes that will accompany this episode. You can track down. I should mention too, there's a YouTube video if you prefer to watch this conversation. And keep in mind too that if you so desire, you can head over to patreon.com slash makingpermaculturestronger and support me to keep doing this kind of stuff. All right. Hope you'll enjoy the chat. Leave a comment um, sharing any impressions it makes on you. And I'll, I'll leave it there and look forward to catching you in episode 59. Okay. Take care out there. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Building Your Permaculture Property. My name is Dakota Cohen, and today I have Dan Palmer on the episode. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, Dakota. Great to be here. So, uh, Dan, why don't you tell uh, uh, tell me a bit about yourself, just and in, in, in kind of share your your story about how you got into permaculture. Uh... Sure thing. Sure thing. So, uh, I was from New Zealand. I, I I was heading, I ended up at university studying psychology and philosophy. Then I was, I was on my way to Reno, Nevada to enter a grad program there. And I stopped in Melbourne, Australia to, uh, to did some work along the way. Um, and I was like, changed my plan, stuck around there, finished a PhD in psychology and philosophy in, in Melbourne. And as I got done with that, I'd done a few, uh, I, was, I, was on a, I was on a track towards be, being an academic. Yeah. And I had, a, I had a, an epiphany moment when I was looking at academics, 20, 30, 40 years down the track from me and realizing that was not the person I wanted to become. So I ran the hell away from the academy um, and ended up in a, in a share house with some lovely folks that were growing veggies in the backyard and using this word permaculture and whatnot. Um, and that was fun. I really, really enjoyed putting my hands in the earth and I learned how to bake bread and stuff like that. And somewhere in the mix there, I did a, a, a friend had mentioned this thing called permaculture, which seemed to be about organic gardening. And I signed up for a course um, you know, more or less expecting a few gardening tips, handy yeah. gardening tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was with Pim Watson and Jeff yeah. Lawton in um, 2005. Oh, and wow. um, at the time it rocked my world. One of the reasons it rocked my world is that I had come to the conclusion in my PhD thesis that, um, that, that modern human culture civilization is, 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 underlying its many layers of dysfunction are these massive separations or um, dichotomies or splits or dualisms or whatever you want to call them between things like mind and body theory and practice, hand and heart, subject and object, person and world, humans and nature, humans and the rest of life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, long, long list there. And permaculture seemed to be something about uh, resolving or dissolving that split and, and being um, animals, being the, anim- you know, the, the animals with, quite big brains that we are but 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 in re, re-entwining re-embedding ourselves back into natural ecologies and 
uh, and all that. So I came out of the PDC pretty fired up. And from there, in short order, I, I went along to a volunteer project in India with my designer's manual and making herb spirals and banana circles and chicken tractors. I, I, left, I left a, a trail of these things behind me <laughs> in Kolkata, India. <laughs> I laugh, but I'm, I'm actually I'm quite embarrassed to admit that looking back. Um, you know, taking the permaculture grab bag sort of approach and, and impose clever solutions approach. Um, and then I, I was involved in starting something called Permablitz, um, oh, yeah. which is a now global movement of people that get together for backyard permaculture makeovers. Oh, cool. and, and, and that led to some conversations that in turn led to a permaculture design firm being founded by myself and some friends called Very Edible Gardens, which is about, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Uh, and continues to this day. And so I found myself in the position of, of being a professional permaculture designer. And then along the way, um, after doing it and continuing to do a whole bunch of, of professional permaculture design work, I started to go back to the ideas and started projects like Making Permaculture Stronger, which is about kind of disruptively regenerating permaculture's own understandings of what it's about and what it's capable of and yeah. avoiding kind of stagnation and just getting sidetracked. Uh, holistic decision making, which is about it's an it's an evolution of Alan Savory's holistic management about about getting focused and making decisions that take you where you want to go, values based decision making, and something else called um, living design process, which is a, a, a an approach to, to to design and creation of anything inspired by Christopher Alexander's work. So that's the sort of stuff I'm, I'm playing around with. Yeah, no. So my my first kind of introduction to your work was uh, through a colleague of mine, uh, Javin Bernakovich, from, mm -hmm. with him, and because yeah. uh, I, I had um, I had taken my first PDC and it sounded like it was very similar to yours. It was all kind of gardening tips and well, I guess no, but it was the exact opposite of yours. You, <laughs> I was expecting yeah. to get what you got, but I got gardening tips and tricks. And I was really disenfranchised with the whole thing. And, uh, but eventually I found my way back to kind of Bill and Jeff and stuff. Um, and I just, it rocked my world that I started just doing, you know, all this, all the techniques and stuff on, on our, our property here. And I made a ton of mistakes. I wasted tens of thousands of dollars and I was just in a wreck. And then uh, I was taking another course and um, my, my colleague Javin did the session on goal setting. And he borrowed, you know, a lot of your stuff and also talked about Alan Savers and he kind of had his own spin on it, but it just, it blew me away. And um, yeah, for years I, I used your, um, the, your template of kind of your, um, uh, you had like a little mind, a mind web for, uh, mm -hmm. for what your kind of, you know, context was. And uh, yeah, it was like, it, it's hard to explain for to, um, to folks that, like until you really get into it and, and you have failures and you can't figure out why, you know, your, your, your things aren't going the, you know, the way that you'd expected. There's no point in trying to teach somebody about decision-making and, and knowing kind of what your why is, but for people that, that have had those and, and just a light switch on. So yeah, it's, it's great to finally, you know, connect. I had no idea that you, you started the perma, perma blitzes either. That's, that's a new one for me. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah, not 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 alone with some lovely friends, but yeah, yeah, it was it was something we made up one day, <laughs> and it's gained some momentum since then. Yeah. So the the um, there's a lot of directions that like, a lot of ground I want to cover uh, today, and uh, but I, I'd like to start with your making permaculture stronger 
um, work that you're doing right now because uh, I think it's 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 really important um, uh, work and and this is. Um, so you've you've taken a peek through the the book that Rob Michelle and I just wrote, and just to kind of give you a, a bit of context on on our end, um, the book started out with the running title um, "Adaptive Habitat," uh, you know, a five step process, because that was you know one of the the earlier names of it, and we actually didn't have permaculture in the book because we had been kind of distancing ourselves because of just the dogma and you know, kind of the bad taste as a result of some of the other stuff that's that's out there. But through the process of kind of writing the book again, I kind of fell back in love with permaculture as I was, you know, going back and everything. And um, about halfway through, I was just like, I, we we have to we have to reclaim this 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 word. Like, it, there's there's so much um, wisdom and and beauty in it, and it's um, and there are some mistakes as well. But I just wanted to get kind of your your take on it. Like, what, why, why, like, what are permaculture's weaknesses right now? <laughs> I see that as one of these questions. It's I don't know, maybe a dangerous question to ask a person like me, Dakota. But um, well, first up, let me reframe the question. The question I would have preferred you to have asked, and the question I'll explore, is is where are permaculture's places of greatest potential? So, you know, rather than having the energy of where are the problems or where are the weaknesses, where do I see permaculture as um, the, having the potential to take the largest steps towards adding as much value to humanity and Earth as possible? Um, yeah, in the future. And the the there's a lot of I'm just, I'm, in my mind right now, I'm going from, you know, thousands of little directions. I'm just sort of kind of what's underneath those, what's underneath those, what's underneath those. And yeah. if, I, if I go far enough, where I arrive is I, th I think per permaculture's greatest potential lies in the possibility to um, evolve, collaboratively evolve and share and crash test and develop and improve a understanding of design and creation processes that is uh, fundamentally and radically different from the way the um, you know the rest of modern civilization works, and the reason I think that's a potential and a non-actual thing is that I'm clear for myself it's it's so far failed to do that in qu in quite a significant way in a way that's um, you know, for me very sobering um, to to really acknowledge and, and 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 speak honestly about, but at the same time that that's where I, where I, that's where I think the that's where I think the juice is. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so I mean, I guess I'm 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 curious to see why why are you um, why are you opposed to talking about uh, like the weaknesses? <laughs> oh well, yeah. To speak a little bit more about that, so um, I should acknowledge Carol Sanford's influence on my thinking in the last couple of years. She's a powerful regenerative um, thinker, and she has this. Um, she has a lot of these things she calls living systems um, frameworks. Mm -hmm. And one of them, there's hundreds of them, one of them she calls levels of paradigm. And I found this an incredibly uh, insightful, profound, precise, and, and practically useful way of understanding where we're sitting, like the container our mind is centered in as we kind of, um, as we see the world, as we ask questions, and as we kind of uh, 
as we as we try and make sense of what it is we're trying to achieve and the four levels of that of that framework are at the bottom is value return which in its shallowest darkest um almost shadow kind of manifestation becomes extract value which is the you know is the modus operandi of yeah. modern neoliberal corporate capitalism um which is just you know extract as much value as we can make as much profit and 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 sure there'll be collateral damage but too bad and then then that um that paradigm gave rise to the first wave environmentalism which carol calls the arrest disorder paradigm and arrest disorder is all about um uh finding weaknesses finding issues or crises or problems and reducing them so it's about making things less bad so you start by finding something that's bad and a, and a weakness is something that you you know define as bad and making it less so it's all about making something go away and um I mean, there's very, and there's various various fundamental issues with that. And when you look back at the history of uh, a lot of activism, um, you know, there are a lot of lessons to be learned. Anyway, it's possible to, while acknowledging the importance of arresting disorder, you know, and and and, and pushing against and doing things about our problems, um, it's possible to move up. And as you move up, it's not that you move from bad, inherently bad, to inherently good paradigms. You just you just enlarge your capacity to engage with. Um, with complexity, so you're actually you're able, you're able to hold more and engage with more and and contribute more, and so as you move up from arrest disorder, the next one is do good, and that's where permaculture started. Was the idea that Bill Mollison, literally, you know, he was involved in a lot of activist movements and protests, etc. Then he went away to a shack in the woods, and he was like, "Hang on a second, I could spend my whole life fighting against things I don't want." And then David Holmgren, in his own words, had the exact same realization. This is one thing they were totally in resonance on. Um, or I could I could do the stuff you know i could i could contribute and live and manifest the positive changes in the world i'd like to see be the change i want to see that kind of vibe yeah so in the do good paradigm and i see permaculture is centered in a combination of arrest disorder and do good it's all about identifying something positive that you can contribute and contributing that so doing good doing good things and it's often um there's a sense of of oh, there's a kind of a benefactor beneficiary kind of vibe um and the dark side of the do good paradigm is that it, it requires a definition of good. And usually the definition of good comes from the do gooder. So the person doing good says, this is good, you know, to give goats to African villages or to um, tell people to put swales in their backyard or whatever. It's a good idea. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do the good thing of sharing that stuff. And, and a lot of colonization and certainly the, uh, the, the, the colonial um, missionaries, were operating from the do good paradigm they're literally sharing the good word and in the process they were decimating indigenous cultures and um you know multi multi thousand year old wisdom traditions and all that so do the do good paradigm is responsible for a lot of bad um and and these things are related right so like bill gates for example coming from the extract value or at least the value return paradigm has contributed to all this collateral damage and now he's using a lot of his wealth to try and do good um, which, which ultimately has, 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 has downsides as well as its place in the world. And then you move up to this fourth level, which is regenerate life. And, and regenerate life, you, 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 leave a, you leave the idea of arresting disorder or um, just simply focusing on, on correcting weaknesses, making weaknesses less weak, as well as imposing some definition of what you think good is to developing the skill and the humility and the capacity to engage with something you care about, be it a person, a family, a, an ecosystem, a community, a village, whatever, 
um, and, su- and, and support it and resource it um, to, to develop itself, to, to, to grow its capacity, to evolve its capacity, to express itself and define on it what, what, what good is in it on its own terms. So I don't know if you're following me, but you're good? Yeah. I'll bring it back to permaculture. Okay. Yeah. So bringing all that back to permaculture, the reason I'd much rather talk about permaculture, focusing on permaculture's potential and interventions that can be made to support it, to express it, uh, to, to develop its potential, rather than what are its weaknesses and how can we reduce the weaknesses, is that at the end of the day, um, if I was successful in identifying a whole lot of weaknesses permaculture had and spent a whole lot of effort making them go away, at the end of it all, a successful outcome would be um, kind of nothing. You know, the, the, the things I was focusing on were gone as opposed to contributing to the growth and evolution of something. And so it's moving from a problem mindset. What are the problems? How am I going to solve the problems? And if you look for problems, you'll find them indefinitely to a potential mindset, which is what's the potential of the situation and how can I, I engage with this entity or being in a way that supports it to step into its potential. And they're very, they have very, very different outcomes in the world. And that's so, that's, that's actually um, a move that was, uh, uh, the, it was, it was what defined the move from what I'm calling making permaculture stronger phase one, which was weakness and problem focused mm-hmm. to making permaculture stronger phase two, which is potential focused and, and regenerate life focus, which is about rather than trying to fix all the superficial issues and weaknesses and problems that you, that are rife in permaculture, as you know, yeah. <laughs> and you, and you very accurately. And um, uh, I think articulately uh, allude to a lot of these in your book. Um, I'm interested in, in cutting, cutting through all that and going back to the core, the essential originating impulse of permaculture yes. as a radical idea birthed by these, these, these people and then regenerating fresh understandings from there. And part of those fresh understandings for me have to be a completely different um, understanding of what design process is. Yeah. No, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And the, I, I watched a little intro video on, um, on your website and one of the analogies you gave, I really liked, which was this idea that, you know, there's permaculture has really great roots and, and it's, and it's, it's turned into this kind of massive tree that, you know, has, uh, you know, branches that cover the globe, but, you know, there's some kind of black knot and, <laughs> you know, there's, the, there's, there's some weaknesses or whatever problems with the branches. And, but the, the, because of the, you know, the anti-fragile nature of, of life and, and permaculture, you, you get this analogy of kind of cutting it down or coppicing it so that it can kind of sprout back from, from the root. And I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, um, and so f- for me, it's like, like that, that kind of four, four part framework of, of paradigms there. Um, that's also how I think. And um, that I was just trying to start at with like kind of the, the weaknesses because the, you know, it's basically if, if, if we don't know our history, we're, we're doomed to repeat it kind of thing. But, but it, it's, I, I also have an aversion to talking about, problems as well because it's so it's so easy to get bogged down in the drama and the details and and miss so much of the higher value um and yeah so like like in in our uh, you were talking about going from kind of how do we go from this extraction to um you know doing you know good and and all these different phases we also have a kind of a paradigm framework in in our in our process that we talked about which was going from how do i get more goods to how do I do less bad to how do I do more good? 
and uh, and I think that our like how do we how do we do more good? We I also um, really believe that that in order to do that, you have to get past um, like underst- like the, the humility was was the word that really resonated with me. There is it's so easy for us to project, like you said, you know, this is what is good, and I know it, and and not realize that. Um, you know, that we, that we, we, we've made terrible mistakes in the name of, you know, it's the, the road to hell is paved with, with good and <laughs> good intentions. Uh, you know what? I just had to cut it. You know what I thought you were going to say? Honestly, yeah. I thought you were going to say the, the road to hell is paved with um, swales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's about it, isn't it? <laughs> well, look, the road to heaven may also involve swales. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> No, it's, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's, it's terrible because like swales are one, one of the techniques, one of the, of the many techniques that actually worked for me. Most of the other ones didn't, but in our context, they work. But I, and, and when I tell my stories about how they worked and like, it, it's amazing, but I, I, no matter how often I say it, do like, this w- may not be the right thing for you. Pe- people always say, where do I put the swale? Where do I put the swale? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. They, they miss, yeah. They, they miss that, miss that memo. A question for you, Dakota, was you talked about how you've, you've got to sound like um, a somewhat resonant um, series of, of paradigms, but you, it sounded like you stopped at doing good. Or do you, have, was there a layer above that that moves into the space of well, evolving that- capacity? That, that was just kind of our, like our, um, uh, uh, more of like a play on words of kind of getting, getting more goods, like materialism to doing less bad. And then, and so how do I do more good? But like, there's like, we also talk a lot about how part of that kind of, you know, in order to, to, to improve well-being in the world, it, it, it requires us to understand that, um, uh, you know, our, our, that humility is actually the, you know, the best way to, to accomplish that and that interdependency and, and all those, basically all those things that you, you talked about in the, in the adaptive nature. So we just kind of put those together, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, with um, that framework from Carol Stanford. I, I, I'm not familiar with her work, but I'm, I definitely want to check it out. I can recommend, I, I actually interviewed her on the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast and she took us through these four paradigms, incredibly relevant and powerful. And one last point I'd love to, to land here is that if you start with weaknesses or problems, you're starting with fragments. You're starting with a siloed, fragmented approach. Mm-hmm. And to work regeneratively, you need to work with holes. And, and like you can't even really grasp what life is and work to enhance and, and align with life unless you start with holes. And to start with problems is to start with fragments. So you're, you're starting from a non-regenerative um, kind of first step. And so you're screwed. You, you know, you, you're just not in the game of regeneration. You're in another game. You're in the game of, of extracting value, um, uh, arresting disorder, or, or perhaps doing good. But you're not in the game of regeneration. And I'd lo- and I see permaculture as having the potential to um, to resource authentic regeneration. And I'm, I say, when I say potential, what I mean by that is I don't think it's by and large doing that yet. It has the potential to do it. And I, I, and I would feel really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for that potential to be to be missed and and it's a weird situation for me because part of it is just realizing the, i don't know the truth of that <laughs> you know so often we think permaculture is great and it's most you know there's a few surf- superficial details but but fundamentally it's okay whereas i'm i'm wanting to 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 invite the possibility for collaborative work at a deep level at the very very questions that permaculture begins from sort of thing 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm. I'll. I'll bite. What. Uh, what are those? What are those questions? Or, or what does? What does starting from holes rather than fragments look like? And I, I also realize that you're answer, You're trying to answer this on your, your podcast and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be delighted. I mean, I'm passionate <laughs> about this stuff. I'm delighted to explore it. Okay. This is this is going to be fun. So, um, well, you you talked about how being using the analogy of a tree and. Uh, analogies are always risky. They're, they're true in part and false in part. Um, and it's always important not to get too attached to them. So you're using the analogy of the tree. You don't necessarily have to have something that represents the leaves or whatever. And this analogy, that, that, that's all there. And readers can go and check that out. Our listeners can go and read more about that on, on the Making Permaculture Stronger side. But um, so, so to look at permaculture as a whole, as opposed to a siloed collection of fragments and trying to do something about you know, this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit, you need to go back to its originating impulse to its to its where from from the place it was sourced and so I'm, i've been sitting with that question where was it sourced from what question or conversation did permaculture originate and in, a, in an interview with david holmgren about the that was about his journey with permaculture design process but we talked about what he sees as the seed of what he describes as the seed of the permaculture concept um, which he co-originated with bill mollison um, and that seed was a conversation with Bill Mollison where David was interested in, he discovered a question in the place where uh, architectural, uh, sorry, uh, landscape architecture, so basically landscape design and agriculture uh, and ecology overlap. He could see where any two of those overlap. There was some discipline that was doing something about that. For example, agroecology, where um, agriculture and ecology overlap. But, but nothing in the place where all three overlapped. And he was sitting with um, Bill Mollison saying, hey, I'd like to explore this in my, my graduate thesis next year. Um, or, I don't know if, yeah, I think it was a graduate thesis. Um, and Bill said, well, what, what, about, what about asking how come our agriculture doesn't, um, doesn't work like the rest of life, you know? For example, why is it based on monocultures of annuals rather than perennial polycultures? And and for David, that was like, wow, that is perfect because it sits in the, the overlap. And it's a design question mm-hmm. where the invitation is, what would it mean to design agricultural ecologies or ecological agricultures? Um, and then from there, so that to me, that's that's pretty close to the starting point of the permaculture concept. So we've gone back. And so it's, it, there's no fragments yet, right? It's it, that, 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 that is kind of the kernel or the seed or the acorn of the idea. And from then it started to grow. And, and to me, it, 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 it retained wholeness for quite a while before it started to get all sliced up. And we got confused um, about what was kind of true to permaculture and what had been unwittingly imported from outside and grafted on. Mm-hmm. That's part of the work is I'm trying to do is discern the difference because yeah. there's a whole lot of baggage that's coming from outside and some of what we think is called a permaculture when it's actually it, it's completely unaligned with permaculture. Anyway, where the conversation went ne- next is that um, the idea of mimicking nature started to be talked about, and there's actually a few deep um, issues with that already. So, t- to me. Um, uh, I, there's there's ways in which I see permaculture has as um, I don't know, missing certain opportunities. Um, I don't know if we'll come back to that, but the idea of nature itself, just that idea and that word, um, has some has some real issues, and certainly yeah. the idea of mimicking nature has some issues. Um, but 
but in any case, the idea was what, what would it mean to mimic, you know, forests, the way forests function in agricultures. And what was looked towards was the functional characteristics of um, healthy ecosystems. And then how could we kind of superimpose or learn from or bring across those functional characteristics into our human created systems, originally agricultural, but then more broadly. And if you look at a lot of the permaculture design principles, you know, choose your list, what, that's what they are. They are descriptions of the functional characteristics of healthy ecologies, right? Yeah. The thing is, what, what, what you're doing there is you're describing characteristics of the outcome of, a, of, a, of, of an ecological process, right? Like the, for, the forest wasn't there at some point. It grew, it evolved through succession, all that stuff. It arrived at a certain place and we can go and look at that outcome and we can describe the functional characteristics of the outcome. And then we can say, how can we replicate those or mimic those in our human created systems? The, th the thing is that to create any outcome, you need a process. And, and to me, um, the, the, the thing I'm excited about in terms of what I mentioned earlier in terms of pursuing or supporting the conversation around permaculture's potential is that the processes we tend to reach for come from the world of machines. We've been brought up with them. They're so kind of deep in our cells now that we, we can't even see them and, and, and pull them out. And there's, there's ideas in there around uh, the dominance of the intellect, around assembling elements to create whole systems, around creating a master plan or a blueprint um, before you start, about, um, I'm, I'm conscious, maybe we're getting a little too uh, complex too fast, but I'll, I'll finish a line of thought and then we can check in. There's, there's, a, whole lot of, there's a whole lot of aspects that, have, that, that people think of as, as native and appropriate to permaculture design process that did not come from the question of how did the forest come into being? What was the process that got from the acorn to the oak tree? What was the process yeah. that got from, from this volcanic plateau after the eruption to the forest a thousand years later? It's a different question. Yeah. And it leads us to some pretty interesting places. Yeah, yeah. So the, this is something that I've also struggled with myself in, and is because like, like the... I, I'm fascinated by indigenous cultures and, and like the, you know, books like, um, I just finished dark emu actually. Mm -hmm. And it just blew my mind. <laughs> like if uh, I highly recommend it for, for folks who, who haven't read it, but it's like, they didn't have GIS systems and LIDAR data and, you know, um, you know, AutoCAD and drone, like this stuff. And yet they had, they figured, they figured out how to tap into that, that process of this is how we, you know, mimic nature or, or, you know, and I, I agree with you. There's also like, um, and so well, can, I yeah. can I jump in there? Sorry yeah. to, to jump in. Um, but I, I, I would, I, I wouldn't put it that way. I wouldn't say they figured out how to tap into that process. I would say they were never, not that process. They were never separate from that yeah. process. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, and this is the, it, it's like, um, there's another, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the book, um, right now, but, uh, his, his whole thing was basically how, when, um, the, the premise of this guy's book, maybe you'll, I'm, I'm, I bet hmm. you've read it was that when we started to write things down, that's when language became separated from place and when communication became impossible. And, 
And so like, like what you were saying is like, they were never not, not part of that process. And it was like, so it's like, this is the the danger of, uh, or the, the potential downside of, of things like, you know, written language and all these tools is that it's, um, so I, I, I also, um, resonate or, um, I struggle with that, but I've, I've also seen for myself, anyways, the incredible value in these, these tools or the apparent value, at least in the short term in, in helping to improve, you know, my own well being and things like that. So, yeah, I, I'm really curious what, um, yeah, what, what's, what are your, uh, uh, solutions to, uh, or, 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 or ideas about how to overcome this, this kind of progress trap? Uh, well, it's, I'd probably call it a process trap in, in the sense that we've, we've, um, we've, we've fallen out of, out of this, the, the, the primordial state of non-separation with the rest of the living world mm-hmm. along the way with the industrial revolution and, and, you know, and yeah, the, the written word and all that's contributed to it. I don't think it's inherently, I don't think we need to stop writing words to, to, to do something about this. No, um, no, certainly not, but it's just like, it's. It's like the, the the tools have have like a, like a life of their own, and 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 there's there's consequences of of using some of them. Yeah, yeah, fully. Uh, hang on, I lost my train of thought here. Ask the question again. The, so that we we were talking about how um, the, the a lot of these concepts that are kind of seen as permaculture, as in you know creating like a master plan and 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 you know using these oh, things. Oh they they're actually kind of part of a paradigm that, that ironically limits us from actually achieving the goal which was like you were saying the the, the core inside of permaculture is is uh, and i think the way that that uh, gabe brown he's a farmer from north dakota uh, I, I like the way he says it, is that mother nature has three and a half billion years of worth of research and development and mm-hmm. we'd be crazy not to tap into that mm-hmm. um and so it's like that was the core inside of, of permaculture but then like there's there's no there's no you know google earth pro or or drones or technology involved in how nature does it yet we superimpose that onto it and so my question was how do, how do we um yeah is is it is it essential that we 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 don't superimpose those tools on are there ways that we um like alternatives or is it just being aware of the fact that that um you know, the map is not the territory kind of stuff. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think for me to bring clarity to this conversation, the key distinction is between process and outcome. And so you know, the rest of life, the earth, mother earth has had this very long R and D cycle. And, um, you know, us puny humans think we come up with something better and all, all that and, and discovering the delusion of that and how that's fast driving us to self termination. Yeah. Um, th- then, then leads to the uh, it leads to the question, and I think this is often a missed question. Was okay, it's had this massive R and D cycle, and biomimicry, for example, I think is pretty clearly in this camp. Let's look into what it's created with that massive R and D um, period, mm-hmm. and pick the bits we like, and make trains that have fronts shaped like kingfishers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, what we're trying to do is mimic the outcomes of that process. And permaculture falls into that same pattern. The thing is, though, so you know whether you think of it in terms of principles, we want systems that catch and store energy and use edge effect, or we want to, at a more superficial 
um, use of permaculture, we, well, this seems to make sense. We'll do swales, we'll do herb spirals, whatever. Pretty soon you realize that doesn't work because you're doing good. We're trying to do good, but you're creating havoc because you're imposing stuff that didn't originate from the actual situation on the situation. So at some point there's a, there's, there's a non-adaption or a clash. Mm-hmm. And so you realize you, you go from an outcome focus back to process. We need some kind of process, right? Yeah. Which is what happened in permaculture. Mm-hmm. The thing is at that stage, the, 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 the mechanical um, understandings of process, which have some of those characteristics I mentioned, very focused on in, intellectually dominated, um, understand design as a process of assembling separate parts into holes, just like you'd play Lego or, or, or build a machine. Start with a master plan, which is separated from then implementing it, which is usually done by different people, which is separated from then actually using it and so on, um, and various other characteristics. We grab onto those. And the, the irony is, then we then bring that in to try and generate our permaculture, adapted permaculture systems. But the irony is we're using a process that has nothing to do with that half a million, million year R&D cycle that, that Mother Earth, even though we're saying that's what we're about, we're actually basically giving a big FU to Mother Earth by using a process that is completely unaligned. And so the question I'm interested in starting with, rather than how do we mimic the outcomes of these processes mm-hmm. and try and create something that looks or functions like a forest, what would it mean? And like I said, I have issues with the word mimic, but that we can come back to that another time. What would it mean to mimic the processes that Mother Earth used to get to these outcomes? And if you ask that question and you stand in the space of that question, some very interesting doorways become open to you. And I've been knocking on some of those doors and taking some very interesting excursions and it's very radical which excites me because permaculture is supposed to be radical you know it started as a very radical thing and then to me it became de-radicalized and i'm not saying that bill and david got it perfect and 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 and, you know kind of um people that follow follow de-radicalized i think that some of the de-radicalization actually happened in, in some of the decisions they made you know they're both mortals whatever that a lot of these ideas are so deep it's hard to even see them yeah. so i'm interested in going back and in a way participating in that conversation that they were having in the early days and helping notice some of the missteps and i mean i'm so excited that with the fact that at least david is still alive and, and i'm literally able to participate in those conversations with them <laughs> which he's he's excited about also absolutely so i don't know did, did um did the quote in um in our book from um the uh, Canadian architect, um, uh, his name is Bruce Mao. Did, did that pop out? Have you heard, have you heard that one before? That, I, uh, I don't think I've seen that. I've still, okay. I've, I've done a quick scan and I'm just going through more thoroughly now. Okay, so, no, no worries. Yeah. So the, 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 um, he has this quote, which, which basically this quote um, was, uh, which kind of summarized everything you just said. And, and this was what um, got, got Rob Michelle and I, um, uh, kind of started on on also trying to come up with some kind of a process. And so the, his quote is this, mm-hmm. that process is more important than outcome. When outcome drives the process, we can only go to where we've already been. But when process drives, the, when, when, when process is the driver, we might not know where we're going, but we'll know we want to be there. And and so mm-hmm. like, like, like for what you're saying now is like, like the, 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 how the forest came out of nothing and and like like th- that process like that's where we want to go and 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 but it's it's these these kind of shiny little outcomes that we get sidetracked by um and it's it's very nuanced but yeah well can i just jump in there yeah yeah it's it, well one, one nuance there is it's not it's not that the the process 
Mother Earth used to come up with the concept tree, let's say. Yes, or, yes. It's not, that, it's not that the process is where we want to go. The process is the thing we want to align with and be, be, you know, in the sense that to me, to be authentically human yeah. is to kind of be that process. That's the thing we want to use to get to wherever it is we want to go, which the quote so beautifully points out about it becomes an unknown. Yeah. And there's, a, there's a related quote I love about a life fully lived is, is a free fall, a continuous free fall into the un unknown. But you actually start to, <laughs> yeah. to develop a deep enough um, process literacy and process understanding. And to me, this is a multi, multi-generational process yeah. that you can, you can lean into and trust the process and yeah. let the outcomes be what they may, which is yeah. very hard to do. It's so hard for our minds not to be hijacked by images and ideas and, oh, it's too hard. It's too much unknown. Let's just shove some Yes. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and so like so, so many of the, and this, this is my, my greatest, um, uh, my greatest fear of, of any of the work that, that, that I've done with my colleagues is that people are going to take our attempt to talk about this very thing and they're going to use it as a prescription, like a process. And they're going to use it as a prescription, you know, it's like, it's just this and this and this. It's, it's, it's a, it's a huge and potentially a unavoidable risk. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is, this is also my life's work as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have found a, a fellow, uh, <laughs> cause there's, there's very few of us that, that can have, uh, you know, multiple hour long conversations about this, this kind of stuff. But mm. I, and so now I, I, I'm also aware because I've had a lot of these conversations where, you know, you know, there's two or three people that are like in it. And then the group around is just like <laughs> falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. What the hell are they talking about? So yeah. can yeah. Um, I'm just, do you have any, um, you, you mentioned that you're kind of knocking on some of these doors and you're, you're having really exciting outcomes. Can we, can we bring this kind of high level conversation that we've just had and, and bring it into mm -hmm. something tangible or an example or, or a story that you can mm -hmm. share? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what does this mean on the ground? And to, yeah. to me, it means a radically different process with radically different outcomes. And so, um, and I've, yeah, I've, I, I started knocking on the doors six, seven, eight, ten years ago, in a sense. So yeah, so I've, 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 some of the doors are a fair way behind me. There's still lots of doors and pathways ahead. But so one one example would be oh, actually I'll, I'll I'll choose one that I know resonates with something that you've you you shared in your book. One is example is moving from the do good paradigm centered idea of me as the permaculture expert design consultant who's going to do the good thing of telling you what to do with your life and where to pull stuff in your property and this is how your life and property is going to be for the next twenty years. Moving from that whole frame um, to the frame of I'm going to be a, a, a developmental resource an educator and support you to. Um, yeah. to grow and evolve and, and be in control of your own process. Yes. Um, and then within the dynamics of that, the question is rather than starting with, um, well, here's, here's a real simple one. A real, I, I think anyone can grasp this. It's, it's, I think it's very simple and very clear. Um, it's very hard not to fall into the deep rut and trap um, when you read permaculture books and, and learn about permaculture and when you've been brought up in the civilization to think at a very fundamentally deep level that design is a process of identifying separate elements and assembling them to, to create a whole system. And there's aspects of this that, that I know you touched on in the book, which I was really grateful to see. Um, and so, and this, this, this becomes almost impossible to avoid when, you, when you've done your permaculture course, read a permaculture book or three, you're sitting in front of some actual clients and you say, how can I help? What do you want? And they say, wow, what do we want? We want a chicken house. We want a pond. We want a house. We want a driveway. We want to, they give you a list of elements. Yes. And so how the hell is your job not to assemble elements? 
Yeah. So you've got to have a quite a lot of discernment and consciousness, I think, to, to avoid the trap there. Because I'm telling you, and I, you probably already know this, it's a deep trap. Because what you will end up, if you proceed from that point, is you will end up with an assemblage of elements, which will be a gangly kind of mechanical thing that doesn't really fit and belong and doesn't really belong in the rest of life. Yeah. And so when we ask what some of the stuff we were going into before that, like you say, might just not really be, be hard for others to connect with, what does that mean practically? It means at this stage, and this will actually, this resonates with a bunch of what, it's funny, actually we're talking, I'm realizing there's perhaps more, <laughs> there's, maybe there's more um, commonalities than I realized between where, you, where, you, where you've ended up at, the, at this stage and where I've ended up, um, is going back to the, to the core, to, to, to engaging with these people as a whole and say, let's park the elements for a little bit. Let's come back to who you are uniquely yes. and what it is you're aspiring towards uniquely. And let's put something together there. Yeah. And I, I, I consciously steer away from words like mission and vision and other stuff. Yeah. But you know, one way or another, help someone articulate um, a context and do some real hard work there. And then you've got a seed, you know, then you've got some DNA that, that you can then use to grow a process and, and the outcomes of the process in turn that remain whole rather than defaulting to all these fragments these then stick together, chuck on a pretty picture master plan, sell it, move on to the next client and just leave this legacy of the same old shit under a different banner. You know, it's like it's, it's permaculture because there's a permaculture label at the top. It's just the same old mechanical um, design process that's killing the planet. You yeah, know? yeah. Me, that is a deep tragedy. So hopefully, hopefully that's clear. Oh, but I should continue to say, because you've still got that list of stuff, right? But now we come back to the list. And rather than seeing them as a list of separate things our job is to assemble, we can engage with that list and kind of interrogate it in a different way. Yes. Um, and the way, way I see it is rather than seeing it as a list of, of cogs and um, conveyor belts and you know, bolts and stuff, your job is to click together like a, like a machine, which was so natively, it's become native for us to think of design that way. <laughs> Whenever someone says, oh, I want a chicken house, it's like they're opening a door on an advent calendar. And behind that calendar is, is a hole. You know, it's right now, it's very vague to me. It's a hole that I'm helping to birth and bring into being. But when they say we want chickens, they're opening a little door and they're giving me a little window into what that hole might look and feel like and so on as they list the other stuff. And I can work with that without even needing to, to, to have this, you know, slice things to bits. And then I can draw out and develop the, um, the hole over time where the outcomes you arrive at are just you know, off the charts. Um, yes. So much more alive and vibrant and adapted. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I couldn't agree. It's like, so one of my favorite, um, questions to ask clients when they when they say or actually i, I don't really have like when i say clients these are like private students <laughs> like all i have is is people that i'm i'm working with because like our model is like the best person to design your land is you because it i also went through the the whole kind of uh phase where we were we were designing master plans for people and then giving them this you know 300 page report and yeah yeah and and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. And it, it cost like, it cost way too much money. And, and, and like, you know, we were learning way more about their property than they were, they were ever going to know. And then at the end of it, we had to like teach them all this stuff anyway. So it was just like, that, yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. Yeah. I've um, spoken to so many people. Can I just throw one piece in there? Go ahead. Just as you're saying that, what I realized was I, I disagree. Cause what, what I would say is currently the, the, the best person to design your place is not me. And currently the best person to design your place is not you. However, I can support you to become. Yeah. 
the best person to design <laughs> your place. Because the thing is, yeah. people will straight away default to the dead mechanical processes, you know, because that's what we've been brought on, uh, up with. So my job, my, I see my job is actually actually resource and educate people in a different kind of process, a living process that generates authentically living outcomes. And that's a funny, I never thought of it, that, but in a way I'm, evol I'm helping evolve them towards exactly. er, earning, earning the reality of the statement, you are now the best person to design your place. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's totally it. And, and so like, the but actually ties perfectly with like this this question that, that we asked because inevitably we get a list. I want I want a chicken house. I want a solar greenhouse. I want I want a, uh, a pond here. I want ducks. I want a dairy cow. And my the um, our first stage of, of, of our process. And, and I also like I also want to acknowledge that like it's um like when we're talking about this adaptive kind of living process, it's 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 so difficult like. We, we really struggled with, do we call them like steps because it gives us illusion, this illusion of simplicity and stuff like that. But we were, we were consciously trying to find that the middle ground between like the conversation that you and I are having, that's where it's, it's super dynamic, but also where, where, where people are at and, and, and making it something that was accessible that they could, okay, I can, I can do this. It's like, it's just one step. And, and but then by the end of it, it's like, by the way, the steps never stop. <laughs> And it, and it, and it's, you know, like you said, it's falling, falling through those, um, what was that quote? The falling through a uh, life is, a, or you could say a living process is, is a, as a process of continuously free falling into the unknown. It, I'll say, yeah. I'll just say quickly too. Um, I've been doing some thinking prompted in part by the use of your use of the word steps in the book about, about this idea of steps as an analogy. And I, and I, I have some fairly deep um, critiques of the way steps are usually used to describe Mm -hmm. um, a sequence of activities within a permaculture design process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm super excited to hear the, <laughs> have, have that conversation, but I, I will, we'll save that for, for, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> cause, cause I, I, I really do. I, I'd love for you to, to, to get to the book and see it in full, but coming yes. back to them, this, this idea of like the, the checklist. And I, I agree. It's like, as soon as you go into that, um, I, I call it the the what over the 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 why mistake. It's like they're focusing on on these specific things, but they're not asking what is it about chickens that that brings you increases your well being. What is it about you know swales or what, whatever the element is? And as soon as you ask that question, it's like, well, well, I want chickens because I want to have food security, and or I, I you know I want to have a greenhouse because I want a, a place that I can go in the winter time. Or what? And then it's like, okay, well, that's 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 the bigger piece and it's like and what about what is it about that and you kind of keep asking these questions until you get to the end and they they get goosebumps or they start to cry and it's like that's that's it that's what you want and yep. um and it's it's the most powerful thing for and i've had some like deeply moving experiences with with clients mm -hmm. um yep. and it's like that's that's what 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 permaculture is yeah. Some, sometimes I, I explain to others interested in this stuff that to me, the, um, the, 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 the phase of um, or whatever you want to call it, um, the activity, let's say, of, um, of engaging with the clients and, and you're trying to navigate from what to why, um, it starts when the tears start dropping. You know, yeah. it's like okay, we're, we're, we've started now. We've yeah. started now. We're, we're there. And I don't think it, I don't. I wouldn't say I ever get to the end, but you cr certainly cross the line where you, you're out of what you're, you're out of what space. You're in why space, mm -hmm. and why space is often cry space. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a dad. 
dad no, jokes. Uh, that's, uh, I, I, I don't have kids, but I, I make enough jokes that you'd think I had five or six of them. <laughs> you're, 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 you're preparing yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, the, um, I, I, I think we've, um, I, I know we only want to go for, for an hour tonight and I'm, uh, I'm really happy with the, the ground that we covered. And I think this is, uh, I hope this is one of, of many conversations that we can have, uh, in the future, um, because uh, like you, I, I, I see that, that that core question of um, like in the, in the book, I, the, I don't know when I had this insight, but it was, um, I was super depressed and I, and I was reading this, um, this new kind of study about the, the sixth mass extinction on planet earth right now. And it was like, and like, and like how humans are basically the, the root cause of it. And I was like, it just crushed me. But then I don't know, some voice in the back of my head was just like, actually, that's the most exciting thing ever for two reasons. And it's like, well, first, because the planet's has like 50, at least 50% of all life has been wiped out at least five times in the past. And it keeps coming back. And it's like, holy crap. <laughs> like, and in some cases it was like 95% of the life went extinct. And then the mm. second piece is like, um, we are just as powerful as the asteroids and, you know, coronal mass ejections and pole reversals and comets and, and all those other things that wiped half of the life. And it's like, we are, and yet we are going head to head with this like incredibly powerful force in the universe, whether you call it, you know, God or the great spirit or, or physics or the force or one or whatever, whatever there's, mm. there's some force that wants to create something rather than nothing. And, and if we stopped fighting that thing and, and as we're talking about, like became like, I don't know, it, our language doesn't even have words because they're, they're all like, um, you know, even Bill Mawson's definition of permaculture, which is this, it's a system of working with rather than against nature. And it's like that, that statement as Penny Livingston start pointed out was like, yeah, it's like, but that, that statement still has the division of us and nature. We're working with nature. She's over here. It's, it's a really challenging topic, but if we can crack this nut, like we're, it's, it's, it's falling through, you know, um, all these different levels of, of, of abundance that we had no idea were possible. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I, I felt a lot of resonance um, during the conversation, but what you just said there really got me. <laughs> and, that, and that's, that's really what I'm on about with, with, with these questions I'm asking. Yeah. Um, and what I'm exploring is the possibility that we can actually relax, get over ourselves and, and, and become conscious and discerning enough to let go of some of the baggage in terms of the process baggage. Yeah to fall back in to the rest of life um, as evolution, you know, as, as we can, we can not partner with or mimic this creative force, but we can, we can be the, 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 the unseparate creative force that we yes. always were, you know, and, 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 and then, then it becomes, Oh, it's not, you know, I started as a permaculture design consultant <laughs> and, and I, I went to yoga retreats and meditation retreats for, for that stuff, you know, but now it's all, it's all part and parcel because there's, there's nothing more, um, in yeah. my experience, there's just nothing that brings me more alive, you know, that no, yeah. that nothing that feeds and nourishes me and um, connects me all, all, all the rest than this kind of work. It's yeah. so much more than a profession. Well, and it's, and it's funny just as you were talking about like the, the cause I used to do yoga and stuff too. And I, and I, 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 I don't anymore cause I don't feel the need, but, but um, it, it was the word you used of like the, 
this idea of like of one with like there is no separate separation between you know nature and us anymore and um the last couple of years kind of since I, I started to get this i've had these moments when i'm on my farm and i'm working with my animals and like in and like thinking about this, these these systems and like i'm still involved in, in design and all that stuff but i i'm no longer thinking about me and like like I, there's no longer a separation of elements and it's freaky <laughs> when you get to that place where it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like or the, there's a, a quote by um a physicist nasim hermine and he says i am the universe learning about itself hmm. and uh um yeah. It's like that. That's that for me is is that feeling of 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 being everything uh, is an indicator. It's like think that's what the process is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, those those are the kinds of. I think it's possible to do in in in, in language, including English, and that those kinds of quotes do it right. Does it? Yeah. As soon as you're using nature, the word nature, between, mimic, connect, relate, interact, all that, you're you're, you're starting yeah. from fragments. You're not going to get back to the whole. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, well, um, man, I wish I wish we'd scheduled more time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, thank you so much for um, for for coming on the podcast. And I, 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 if if you'll if you'll come back on, I would love to have you back on so we can we can further this discussion because I, I also think mm-hmm. this is if we don't if we don't continue to ask this question and have this conversation, nothing else matters, in my opinion. No, well, and, and I do only believe if if not necessarily us, but if people within permaculture are not having this kind of conversation, permaculture will stagnate and die. In fact, I'd go further than that. I'd say permaculture is already stagnating and dying, which should be a real shame yes. know, for, 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 for its relevance and contribution to, to humanity and earth to, to be overlooked yeah. because it, it wasn't able to be true to itself and keep evolving. Hey, maybe to, to finish, I'll just share, I've had a few of those moments, those glimpses, those moments yeah. where I, I basically forget that I'm separate. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the illusion that I'm separate and it's pretty trippy, right? It's just yeah. like, well, I had one, in the, I, I, I'd done a course exploring this and I was in a kayak afterwards and the me and the waves and anyway, um, but I recalled uh, uh, Bill Mollison who I did on PDC was talking about something similar where he said he'd spent so long in the bush that he looked into the, he, he came to get a drink and he was wash his face or something. He was looking into the water in a, a pool in the Creek in the forest. And he got a shock when he saw himself and he realized that he'd forgotten that he existed. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that's, that's I, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I was thinking of that as you're talking about just being in the zone with the animals and all that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah yeah I'd, I'd really love to I'll, I'll, you know why not we can alternate or whatever it'd be fun to get you on the conversation uh, on, on my podcast as well and yeah. um, just I, i'm really happy to give oxygen and airtime to to these these matters and also to show and I, I love that you're doing that to show that you're not just a kind of a um an armchair philosopher to ask these questions that it's very possible and it's imperative i think that, that it's shown how they very richly and directly inform practice and the idea that whenever you do anything practical, you're, you are deploying paradigms and worldviews and theories and ideas. And unless you do the work of checking those out and, and, and cleaning them up and, and constantly regenerating them, you're just going to be perpetuating the same old crap that's been perpetuated forever. And yeah. you're not, it doesn't matter what you're telling yourself. You're not really part of the yeah. solution or a solution. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And so, th- and this is why I'm, I'm like genuinely thrilled to hear, um, you know, what your feedback is from the book. And if, if there's any, <laughs> yeah. uh, so don't hold back, uh, because one, one of my philosophies is, is you're never right. You're only less wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well, great, great to hear it. Cause I, w- I was actually sitting with where I take it. Cause I was like, cause there's a lot of positive things I'd have to say. And then a lot of, um, you know, really fun, disruptive, critical things I'd have to say. And I was thinking, are those two separate pieces or do I somehow combine them? But And I also wanted to feel you both out. And I, I mentioned this to Rob and Michelle too, because I don't, I, don't, I don't want to come in uninvited and I don't want to bring any, um, you know, ne- negative critical energy. I only want it to be inside a regenerative field yeah. of, hey, we're all learning here and let's crash test each other's ideas. And um, yeah, and, and I, you know, if the invitation is there, I, I could very happily, um, <laughs> no. I, could ro- I could roll through even the first chapter of the book and, and, and share a lot of um, thoughts. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule that. And, uh, I, I, I can't wait to, to hear more about it. And, and I'm going to, um, uh, yeah, I guess like what are, um, this is for, for me as well as, as the audience, what are some resources that you'd recommend if folks found this, <laughs> if, if you're not asleep yet, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. uh, and, and you also realize the, the critical importance of this, this question and conversation, um, where, where should folks kind of go to, to dive in more, obviously your, your website, making purple, mm. uh, permaculture stronger, um, anything else? For now, that's the main one, making permaculture stronger.net. Um, but this year I'll be putting more energy into des- designing for life.org. Which is, is probably that- going to be the kind of the umbrella for, for this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Dan, thank you so much. I I I uh, I'm sad that I, we didn't connect sooner, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, future conversations, man. Likewise, yeah, re- a real real privilege and pleasure to to be in conversation with you. It's been a lot of fun. All right, take care. You too. See ya. <laughs>